which is a um, really prized thing, so let's not lose that for her. My name's Andrew, for those of you that don't know me, and welcome again if you're a visitor here. It's um, really good to see you here, and um, it's always a privilege to get together and worship. You know, I, I guess I'm probably not alone in, on a cold, wet morning, waking up in my warm bed and thinking, really? This is the only day I really get to stay in here longer? And Okay, I'm all on my own in that, aren't I? That's right, yeah, I've got you. But, you know, when you get to church, when you experience just, um, you know, catching up with people before church, um, the worship, Donna, thank you for leading your team this morning, it was fantastic. And just um, when you begin to set your heart on why you're here, and, and I confess that oftentimes I'm walking in the breezeway and I still haven't set my heart on why I'm here. When you begin to do that, God is so faithful to meet you in that to remind you of who he is and to, um, to encourage you and to, and to remind you that, you know, and almost say into your mind, you know, I wanted you here this morning. I wanted you to be here. That's not my message. That's not what I'm here, but I just wanted to share that. You know, and um, <laughs> happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. We've said a little bit about Mother's Day this morning and um, I was reminded, uh, and before I get into a message, I just want to, you know... <laughs> I was reminded a little over a year ago, my mother was um, in hospital and, and struggling quite, quite, quite a lot, and um, that's all come good now. But during those couple of weeks that she was in hospital, I would have to drop everything and drive down to Warrigal in the middle of the day. Um, those of you in the office will remember that, and I'd have to whip down to Warrigal and going up and down. And sometimes I would have to go down because she didn't have a clean nighty or... Um, and, you know, my annoyance was building. You know, and I'd walk into her room, and she was in Warrigal Hospital, I'd walk into her room, and I, because she can't see, I would say, hi, Mum, when I was halfway towards her bed. And before I could get any further, she would be telling me about how they're not giving her enough water, she doesn't have a clean nighty. the doctor didn't come and visit her, do I need to go on? You know, and I had just, I was in the middle of a busy week, and I'm driving down to Warrigal, and I just, at one point, I really got annoyed with Mum, and I said, Mum, you know what? I'm really busy and this is the third day in a row and I'm driving down to Warrigal and all you can do is complain at me and yell at me and, you know, give me a hard time. I don't think I'm going to come tomorrow, you know. Driving home, I was thinking about it and feeling really guilty that I did that. You know, you don't talk to your mother like that, do you guys? No. (laughs) And it was like I'm saying, but God, I'm just really annoyed, you know. Um, She just is not respecting me. She's... I'm doing all this and I'm stretching myself for her and, and, and it's just never good enough and everything. And all God said to me is, she's your mother and she's the one that I chose to bring you into the world. You know, so when I think of Mother's Day and we, we talk and, and a number of us talked about the difficulty of Mother's Day and I recognise that, I really do. But sometimes I think what we need to do, we all have a mother or had a mother and we need to... Honour our mothers because that honours God. Because they are the vessels, good ones, bad ones, ones that are still here, ones that are, that are not friend, that you don't have a great relationship. They are still the vessel that God chose to bring you into the world. And in honouring our mothers, whether they're here or not, we honour God. And I really think that's an aspect of, of Mother's Day that we, we need to be aware of a little bit more as well. You know, your mother didn't, it was God. 
We recognise that. So if there's a mother around you, because we're talking about prayer these, these four weeks, if there's a mother around you in reach, if it's yours or if it's not, if there isn't, I want you to just lay your hands on a mother. Find a mother. You can get up. Find one. Touch, touch a mother. Make sure every mother has somebody, you know. And I want two or three of you. So, so get up. If you find a mother. Come on, guys. There's, there's, you know, find one. Doesn't matter if there's three or four. Put your hand up if you're a mother. That might help some of you. Yeah. Lay your hands on a mother. And I would like just for two minutes for two of you just to... Honour that mother and say, thank you, God, for bringing this person into the world and being a mother to someone. If you haven't got a mother, find one, quickly. All right, two minutes. Pray, guys. Pray with faith. So, Heavenly Father, we just want to... um, I just want to ask you to hear these prayers. Lord, we honour you um, as we honour the mothers amongst us. We recognise your work in their lives. We recognise that we are the work that you did through them. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we just pray that this morning, that mothers wide world, uh, worldwide, yeah, Lord, that, that they would recognise that you use them for a great work and that they would honour you and we honour you too. In Jesus' name, amen. Grab your Bibles, and we've got three readings this morning, and they will also be up on the screen. Um, Three sections of Scripture for you uh, to look at, and the first one we're going to look at this morning is Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. If you haven't got your phone or a Bible with you, feel free to look on the screen and follow along with me. As we read these scriptures, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. This is Paul. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit and in every good work, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people, the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Then we're going to whip over to um, John, if we can, John chapter 17. John 17, and this is Jesus praying in verse 20. We're going to begin at verse 20. And Jesus is um, he's, um, praying for himself. He prays to his Father for himself, and then he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for all believers. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. He's talking about those that he just finished praying for. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. In them, I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And in one last one, I want you just to jump over to Ephesians. It's a little bit further than the Colossians, a little bit back from the Colossians scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I'll fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. So far, that reading. We um, This year, we're looking at six traits of mature disciples, and I think we've got the first slide up there, there for um, a little bit of a reminder of um, what we've been doing. We're looking at a mature disciple and looking at what are the six traits of a mature disciple, and we're taking a short bit of time, like short four-week blocks, to focus on one of each of those. Um, and we finished on the top of our graphic, and it'll come up eventually. I mean, all stare at the screen and just wait for it to happen. But it's okay. It doesn't, if it doesn't come, it doesn't matter. We focused for a little bit of time on being part of the church family, that um, a trait of a mature disciple is being part of the family of God, the church family, and the top of the tree there. And we're working around the traits, and we are looking for these few weeks, for a few weeks, at selfless prayer. And it's kind of like not just the word prayer, it's actually selfless prayer. So it's making us really look at what that means for us um, to be engaged in selfless prayer. And maybe you already have some ideas about that. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I know what that is. Well, we're going to be talking about that for a few weeks. It's, um, there you go, there's the graphic. Our tech guys are amazing, aren't they? Seriously, to recover like that, you know. Well, that was a really limp clap. <laughs> Boy. <sighs> okay, selfless prayer. It's prayer that, um, that focuses outside of ourselves as opposed to that, that prayer that we pray for ourselves. Um, the premise being that a mature disciple practices selfless prayer. Where that, or that in a, the prayer of a mature disciple, there is an, an element, a large element of, of prayer that, is a, that focuses outside, that is not about um, themselves. As opposed to perhaps a, a less mature, immature, the whole prayer list would be about me and my needs and my wants only. You know, I'm praying for needs and wants isn't bad. Jesus asked us to pray for good gifts. And Joel's message last week when he introduced this, the, this uh, mini theme on prayer... He taught us that we, we needed to pray and we needed to actually even pray for ourselves and praying that the Holy Spirit, sometimes we needed to pray for the Holy Spirit to help us to pray because we, we didn't really even know how to pray sometimes because we, were, were, we felt that distance, we weren't connecting. We discovered the heart of prayer last week and that it's imperative for us as disciples. And Joel talked to us about, you know, when you ask, and, and, and it's true of me, it's true of all, when you, when you ask somebody, you know, how, how's your prayer life? You know, is it, is it, you know, one out of ten? Is it a ten? And, well, you know, most of us would sort of say, well, it could improve, you know. 
And yet we all know in our hearts that our communication with and our adoration of God are really important. That we want to communicate with God about ourselves but also about others. We know intrinsically that that's important. So from time to time, we need to be reminded about how to pray as mature followers of Christ. And that's what we want to do for these couple of weeks. A mature disciple knows how to pray selflessly as much as pray for themselves. In fact, if we look at Jesus' prayer and the prayer of Paul and his fellow missionaries, maybe we would probably actually deduce or or see that selfless prayer should actually be the major part of our prayer life. You don't often... Well, you get this, Paul, pray for me because I'm in chains. And in the Corinthians, now he talks a little bit about you know needing, needing support and getting support in that. But you don't often see Paul praying for himself or asking for prayer for himself. Perhaps selfless prayer should actually major in our prayer life. In the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the ways selfless prayer could look or should perhaps look for us. We're going to get practical about understanding it. And um, we wanted to call this these couple of weeks, Teach Us to Pray. You know, and you've probably been going to church and we've got a graphic for that as well. We've got graphics for lots of things lately and that's not me. I need, I need to acknowledge. You know, maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. Maybe you've only been walking with the Lord for a, a short time. Maybe you've been praying since you were in Sunday school many, many years ago. But I think it's a really good attitude to have to say, teach me to pray. Teach us to pray. I still need to learn how to do that. Because I also answer, yeah, my prayer life could improve. Today we want to look at praying for the family, the church family, God's people. And we're going to get a little bit practical today. Now, I'm I'm one of these... Italian speakers where it's a a pain having a microphone so just bear with me for a moment I have some little cards here and um, you can hear me right okay quickly send in one of each one each to each person quickly pass them around and on that card you'll see um, a place for a name and a one word prayer and you'll see that Ephesians uh, scripture on there. What I want you to do in the next little while while I'm speaking, um, those of you that can multitask, because I do want you to listen to me as well, I want you to write your name on there and I want you to write a one-word prayer, something that you would like prayer for or something that comes up in you as a one-word prayer. And just hold on to that for now. Okay, so when you get the card, get a pen and um, do that while I'm speaking. Because today we want to look at praying for the family. When we look at our first two scriptures, the Colossians one and the the John one, we see that Paul and his fellow missionaries and Jesus focused their prayer on the church, the people of God. Those, you know, Jesus called them those that had received the gospel, received the message. They prayed for, you know, Paul and his his prayers and, and Paul and his fellow missionaries prayed for many things. There were different things happening in different churches. You've got the Colossians, the Ephesians, the Corinthians, the Thessalonians. There were different things happening, different church issues. But one of the consistent things that Paul always did was he gave thanks often. 
As Paul and, and his, his fellow workers became aware of the needs and challenges of the fellow believers of the churches, they purposed to pray for them. And here's the thing, and tell them that they were praying for them. That struck me when I was looking through it this week. That's novel, isn't it? He didn't just pray for them, he tells them that they're praying. he's praying for them. You know, for example, we want you to know, brothers. I thought it was interesting, you know, that, um, that he would tell them, hey, I'm praying for you, and I'm wondering for us whether that's not a, uh, a good practice. We'll see how we go. Jesus, in our scripture, in John, prays for the believers for unity. And that through them, and it's interesting, Jesus, that through them the world would see him, would see Jesus. And this is what was behind Paul's prayers as well. Paul's prayers for the churches and for the believers, the same motivation. It was never just so those that he prayed for would become comfortable. They wouldn't be under pressure anymore. Perhaps they wouldn't be struggling the way that they were. That they'd just be happy Christians with happy churches. That was never the reason for his prayer. It was always with a big picture in mind that the world would see the hand of God, that the world would see the work of salvation in their lives and so give glory to God through the victory of his people. Paul prayed for others, not so others would be happy, that might have been a byproduct, but that the world would see who Christ was, who God was and give glory to God. Selfless prayer ultimately brings glory to God. If you're taking notes, if there's one thing that you write today, write that down. Selfless prayer ultimately brings glory to God. So if we're talking about praying for God's people and we don't just want to talk about it and then go and have coffee and have a Mother's Day lunch, what would it look like? I want to talk about two ways or two contexts that we can pray for the body of Christ, the Lord's people. And I guess the first one we probably really want to talk about is our own church, isn't it? Those in our own representation of the body of Christ, those that are around us that are God's people, that he's, the place that he's placed us in, praying for each other in the church. There's great examples and really good instructions for this in the Word. You know, Acts chapter 2, we see that, you know, the early church, they gathered and, and we always talk about the way they gave everything to each other and etc. And it says there that they prayed. And I wonder, and I'm thinking about that this week, in, in the meeting they prayed. And I'm thinking, did they only pray in the meeting? Did they pray for each other after the meeting? When they went home, in between meetings? They, they met every day, so there wasn't a whole lot of in between, was there? But did they pray in between meetings? Maybe all of the above. And our scripture in Ephesians says, Pray at all occasions, at all times, and always keep on praying. So there's really good scripture instructions for us to be praying for the believers, for praying for the Lord's people. And those sitting around you, and you can look around you, and you you might look at each other more often, but those sitting around you, they're the Lord's people. And there's all sorts of great things that happen when we do this. All sorts of fantastic things when we practice selfless prayer for the Lord's people in our own church. It creates and nurtures that unity that Jesus was speaking of, doesn't it? It kind of brings you in, it bonds you together as a family, it, it gives you this sense of belonging, doesn't it? It's, um, 
It makes you feel like, oh, someone cares. There's all sorts of good things. You know, for instance, um, I had an example last week. Last week I, um, I had just gotten back from Africa last, and, and I'm, I was sitting in church here last week, but I was really not well. I was really ill, feeling terribly sick. And I said to Joel during the week, I said it was one of the few times that I was just asking the Lord, please tell Joel to stop preaching. Because I was just almost off my chair. And then Joel wanted us to pray for each other. I said, I'm not moving, you know. And all I wanted to do, and this is really odd for me because I love to catch up with people after church, but all I wanted to do after church is find the door and get out. But Johan found me on the way out the door. He said, how are you doing? And I said, terrible. That's all that could come out of my mouth. And he just prayed for me. Now, I wasn't healed. That would be a great testimony. But I felt like I belonged. I felt like someone mattered, that I mattered. And that's what selfless prayer does. When you say, hey, can I just pray for you? Or what's going on in your life? It builds that unity and that belonging, doesn't it? It opens up opportunities for testimonies and stories of God's goodness. You know, we often talk in the office, and, and I know some of us in life groups talk about, wouldn't it be great if we had testimonies in church or in our life groups of the things that God's doing in our lives? Well, when you're praying for each other, when you're praying for the Lord's people, it, it, it opens up opportunities to testimonies, stories, maybe just one-on-one. You know how you prayed for me last week? Um, this and this happened. There's a story. Oh, why don't you share that in life group? Why don't, you, you know, why don't we get that in church? It opens up opportunities of stories of God's goodness in the body as we share needs and we share our care. Stories of victories in a one-on-one life group church. When you're praying for each other, all of a sudden you're interested in what happened with that. It opens our eyes to God's work in each other's lives. And it brings worship and glory to God in the body. You begin to see that God is working because you've invested in that selfless prayer. It builds healthy relationships amongst us. That sense of covering or carrying or concern. Selfless prayer builds those healthy relationships. And it's what families do. And we're called the family of God. It's what we do. So praying for God's people, praying for our own church. You know, we create, um, we create opportunities for that. You know, there's, we always say at the end of the service, you know, there's going to be people here to pray for you. And let's be honest, most of us would probably allow that to go right over our heads or if we're really struggling with something and we're not genuinely tending to be worried about what people will think, we might creep forward and get someone to pray for us. But we'd have to be, I'm going to say this politely, we'd have to be thinking that we're a basket case or something almost. And yet prayer should be one of the most natural things in the body of Christ as we pray for each other. Paul does it. He starts every letter with that. Jesus does it. It should be one of the most natural things where we reach out and pray for each other. And it costs you nothing. So that card you have. Hold up the card if you've got the card. Have you all written on it? Pass it down the aisle really fast and pop it on the floor there. Right? Pass it down the aisle really fast. Pop it on the floor and I'm going to get... Um, Two people, I'm going to get Francis and Nathaniel, come down the middle and collect them all for me. If you can, Francis is still riding on his. 
Everyone got them down the middle? I told you it was going to be practical today. We haven't finished yet. So bring them down the middle for me, boys. Gather them together and bring them down the middle for me. so amazing how some of you didn't obey me and you hadn't even written on them until I said that something's going to happen with it. We have work to do, Joel. Oh, thanks, mate. Thanks. Yep, yeah, flick it back in the middle there. Yeah. If you get your own... I expect miracles from God because your prayer will be fervent. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Now, I don't, Rob, probably don't need to explain this to you, do I? Have a look at your card, have a look at the person on your card and have a look at their prayer point. That is your mission this week. Are we right? Are we? Did you fill one out? Who got two? Did you guys get one? Did you fill one out? <laughs> if you would like two people to pray for you, raise your hand. No. <laughs> okay, your mission this week is to pray for them. Now, wouldn't it be really cool? If you actually contacted them sometime during the week and said, you know what, I pulled your name on Sunday and thanks for sharing, I'm praying for this for you. Send them a text, send them an email, give them a phone call. Wouldn't it be great, Joel's going to be speaking next week, wouldn't it be great if he left five minutes for people to jump up the front and say, yep, I got a call, yep, I got a call, that was really cool, it felt like I really belonged. It's up to you whether you do that or not. Would you do that? Would you pray for those people this week? Every day, twice a day, three times a day, often, all occasions. What does Paul say? All occasions, always keep on praying. So that's the first way that selfless prayer works. We are praying for, um, the first way that selfless prayer works when we're talking about praying for the Lord's people. We pray for those that we fellowship with, with our own body. The second way I think we ought to pray for the Lord's people is other churches, other representations of the body. Why might this be important? Ephesians 6, you know, again, our scripture in Ephesians says all of God's people. It doesn't say pray for some of God's people. It says pray for all of God's people. Why? When we read the word, the words of Jesus, we're called to unity. And Jesus is not just talking about unity with the ones that have the same theology as you, that gather together in the same place as you, that you feel friendly with, that sing the right, the same songs that you sing. Jesus is calling for you, praying for unity in the worldwide body of Christ too. So why should we be praying for other churches, actively praying for them, by the way? Because we have the same goals as them, to love God and to love others. We want the same thing that they want, to glorify God for his sake. We're all guided by the same scriptures, the word of God. Our desire 
is that the kingdom grows, isn't it? That's why we're here. That's why we follow Jesus. Our desire is that the kingdom grows. And we know that that's not just through us. We recognize unique calls and contexts. We know that as, a, as One Hope Community Church, we have a unique call that God has given us um, a unique call and, and a unique mission. And that includes the things that we do out in the community here and that includes the things that we talk about to, to, develop, to develop and to reach out. We recognize that. And we recognize that God's light needs to reach each of those contexts. But we also recognize that we're not in all of those contexts. We're not, we don't have all of those calls. Some others do. When we pray for other churches, it brings unity in the spirit, doesn't it? We display that unity to the world. We display the unity that Jesus spoke of to the world when we pray for other churches. And you know, if we're honest, quite often we don't do that. You know, churches are probably the hardest on each other. Denominational differences, differences of way of do, different ways of doing things. Often we're harder on each other and that doesn't do anything for the unity that Jesus is talking about. When we actively pray, it becomes a joy to celebrate in the success of other churches, doesn't it? When you're actively praying for them, all of a sudden you're interested in their successes. And it brings glory and honour and worship to God when we pray for the body of Christ. Jesus interceded for his people and we're called to do exactly the same. To intercede for them, to encourage them in prayer, to build them up in prayer. The way that Paul and his fellow missionaries did as well. Pray for people all over and pray for specifically. You know, and that's, I was kind of thinking, we were thinking about that this week, and it's kind of easy to pray for other churches when it's, um, you know, say the persecuted church in Syria, isn't it? That's not hard, it's in the news. Or, you know, the persecuted church in China. Or places where churches are really struggling, you know. It's kind of easy to do that. It's not hard. We put it into our prayer times and we... We pray for that. But what about the day-to-day churches around us? What about the churches that are around us right now, close to us? We're going to get practical again. You're going to love me. This is going to take a little bit of work, this one. We are going to break into six groups. And we have six people that are going to lead those groups. And so I'm just going to get those guys up here. And that'll be uh, Johan, he's going to come up here and lead one group. And if you can come up and grab this piece of paper, Johan. And we have um, Scouty, he's going to come up and lead a group. And um, Joel Poppenbeck, he's going to come up and lead a group. Joel Arnold's going to lead a group. Sabrina is going to lead a group. And Peter van der Zag is going to lead a group. All right, so we've got six groups. So it's, you know, choose a group based not at all on the attractive looks of the person leading the group, okay? So, can you pop the next slide up, please? Um, we're going to pray for these churches around us. We're going to pray for City Life Church. We're going to pray for Activate Church. 
And what we've done is we've got their logo and we've gone onto their website and had a look at what their mission statement is so that you have something to pray for. Okay, so we've got City Life Church, Activate Church, Crossway, Church at 1330, Australia for Christ Church, and I've stuck in Abundant Life Church in Uganda because they're our sister church and we're beginning to support them and we want to be praying for them as well. So um, I'm going to get the six of you, so you've got too many over that side, we need one over this side. I need to create one, two, three, four, five, six groups. Grab a chair, make a circle. It's going to get messy, but don't worry, we're not going to put the chairs back like this again afterwards. Grab a chair and go to one of the leaders and sit there. And what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you just quietly to wait on God for a word. Have a look at what the mission is. Wait on God for a scripture, an encouragement, or a word for them. The leaders of your group are going to write those things down. And during the week, we're actually going to send that to the churches. We're going to send the thing saying, we prayed for you this week. And here's a scripture or here's an encouragement for you as a church in our area. Okay, does that make sense? Any questions? Go and sit with somebody, get some chairs, make circles around them and um, make sure a little bit evenly spread. And we're going to take like 10 minutes to do that at least. Just be quiet and wait first and then see what God tells you to pray for them and to write down for them. Okay. God, we want to thank you for each one of these six churches. We want to thank you um, for calling them, for giving them um, a heart to serve you, uh, to giving them uh, an understanding of where they're to serve you and how they're to serve you. And thank you for the opportunity we had this morning to bring them before you and to pray for them and to pray that you would continue to do your work in them. And Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to them. And we, um, yeah, we pray, Lord, that they be encouraged in Jesus' name. If you still stay right where you are, except for the worship team, if you still have um, things that popped into your mind, maybe it was a thought or something, and please pass it on, and then I'll get the leaders to give me those pieces of paper when we finish the service. When we pray, um, when we pray selflessly for others, actually, can I, I promise to for someone that someone would give. Um, Scott, a message to come back in because he's in the courtyard. Can someone just grab him out of the courtyard, Ryan, Riley? Yep. When we pray selflessly for others, we stand in the gap. We present to God those that we pray for. That's what we did. And that's what when you pray with those little cards this week and when you pray for other churches, you're standing in the gap. You're presenting those people to God or those churches to God. We take up their cause, as it were. And we have a really, really good example for that. Jesus did that for us. He took up and he takes up our cause to his Father in heaven. That's what the word says. We saw, that when, we saw that when he prayed for his disciples at times and for us in John chapter 17. His prayers were selfless. Selfless to the point that he even went further in taking up our cause. His prayers led to action, didn't they? And in a couple of weeks we're going to talk a little bit about that as well on our behalf. His selfless prayers cost him his life so that our greatest prayer need or our greatest need, that of salvation and reconciliation, could be answered. Jesus is the ultimate example of selflessness and selfless prayer. So when we read the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, we're being called 
to follow in the footsteps and join in the passion of our Saviour Jesus Christ, to always keep on praying for the Lord's people, to quote Paul. And that, church, brings glory to God. Amen. Stand up, look at the screen, as long as you can see the screen, and Donna's going to close off the service with us with um, Saviour King. Thank you.